Welcome one and all to episode five of the Scum and Villainy podcast, a weekly Star Wars podcast where we break down the latest and greatest in Star Wars news. I am your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat is my co-host, Noah DeGeorge. Hey, what's going on? We're back after a uh, little hiatus from last week. It's been a while. I was, we both did some traveling last week. We both went to uh, Illinois area. Uh, the Chicago mm-hmm. area. I went for a sporting event. You went back home. Yeah, I did. And we both made it back. How was how was the game? The game was fun. It was a little chilly outside, but it was supposed to rain. So it did not rain, which I was happy about. I, I was glad I didn't want to be sitting out there uh, in the in the Budweiser bleachers getting rained on in the cold. Uh, but it was just a little chilly outside. But it was a really fun game. Um, there was a a home run shot right pretty much like in front of us, like in the net of the Budweiser bleachers. So that was cool. Nice. Um, and the Cubs won, which is always a good thing to see. It's the only Cubs game that I've ever been to. Uh, I've been to three that the Cubs have won at. So I've, I've been to so many to and they they have never won any time <laughs> that I've been there. It's ridiculous. Well, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling good about uh, this season for them. So hopefully we can continue the, the winning, the winning uh, train here. How was your ride back home? Um, I actually did hit all of the rain. Um, we actually were oh, driving through hail for, for a portion of it. I was going to text Ew. you and be like, Hey, how's the weather dingus? But then it started <laughs> to hail really badly. And I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm driving. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, we had zero precipitation until we were literally uh, sitting uh, in the Giordano's and it started to rain outside. And I was like, hmm, serendipity. Just barely. <laughs> Just barely. Uh, so uh, we're, we're back here, back here to break down uh, the Star Wars news. We got a lot to talk about today, including some comments from Zack Snyder and some more comments from J.J. Abrams. We talked about him on the last episode, but keeps on talking, uh, <laughs> keeps on talking about Star Wars. So we're going to talk about that. Guy cannot also shut up the- about Star Wars. <laughs> I know. It's like, come on, man, move on. He's that he's that <laughs> clingy ex-boyfriend. <laughs> he's like, no, I could have uh, done better, I swear. <laughs> uh, we've got that to break down. We've also got Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters issue number one. And, of course, the newest episode of The Bad Batch. Uh, as always, we have time codes in the description if you want to hop around a little bit. Hop around like a like a little bunny around like a, this like podcast. Like a womp rat. Uh, so the first thing we're going to talk about here is, um, apparently, uh, Zack Snyder, um, prior to the force awakens had pitched a star Wars movie, uh, to Lucasfilm. Uh, he talked about this on the happy, sad, confused podcast. Um, and he talked about his ideas for a star Wars movie that involved a group of Jedi before the events of the clone wars. Um, and this is the quote here. Uh, he said, we talked about it, but it never happened. I've been working on it from, I, I've been working on it away from the star Wars uni- universe on my own thing as a sci-fi thing. It's still a sci-fi thing. It's the same story. Now I'm just going to let star Wars be star Wars. Um, so let's talk about the, this, these comments twofold here. Let's first talk about the idea of seeing Zack Snyder in star Wars. Granted the time that he would have made this, I think would have been pre, uh, Batman vs Superman pre-Justice League would have been post-Watchmen, post-Sucker Punch and all that, and 300 and all that kind of stuff, though. So keeping Zack Snyder's vision as a filmmaker in mind, would you like to see him play or at least be curious to see what a Zack Snyder Star Wars film would be? I genuinely, if I'm trying to think of 
how I feel about Watchmen and Sucker Punch. Um, and I think 300 is probably a good example of his, his, uh, probably his style at its best is like, Mm -hmm. that just doesn't fit the bill for me, you know, with Star Wars, with Star Wars, it doesn't, those things don't necessarily line up because, uh, I would not consider 300 or Watchmen or Sucker Punch a, uh, I would not consider them an opera of any of their styles, and Star Wars is still very operatic. Even the prequels, yeah. as strange as they are and, and as different as they are from some of the stuff in the original trilogy, they're not operatic. Zack Snyder would not be operatic with them. And yeah. I could not imagine, you know, the action set pieces turning into something from 300. But with a Star Wars filter, that seems super strange to sure. me. Um, I Yeah, I, I agree. I When I think of Zack Snyder's vision... Regardless of what I think about Zack Snyder's films and uh, him as a filmmaker, um, I think Star Wars is almost a, a bit of a unique oddity. When you look at something like DC, um, superheroes and DC comics, I think there's the sense of flexibility there um, because you can have something like Adam West's Batman and The Dark Knight Returns, and those are both iconic, really valid versions of that character and they're pretty much opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, you have super hyper silly and super hyper dark. Yeah. Um, So I think with, with DC superheroes, you're able to, to really mold them to the filmmaker and they can really do whatever they want here. Where with star Wars though, I think star Wars is the kind of thing where when you hire on a filmmaker, they are going to, obviously bring their sensibilities to whatever they're working on. But to me, it's always this idea of them fitting their sensibilities into the box of star Wars. If that makes sense. It's less of, of it's less of, well, I'm going to take the ideas of star Wars and fit it on my vision. I, uh, it's kind of hard to explain. I think, Star Wars has a very specific idea and and feel and tone to it, partly because it was made by, you know, mostly one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there was other directors and filmmakers in there, but George Lucas's ver- uh, vision of Star Wars is is going to be what withstands. Um, and as much as I would be curious to see Zack Snyder's um, idea of Star Wars, I don't really know if it would feel like Star Wars. I think that that's maybe the best way to verbalize this. I can't really think of many other things besides maybe like Star Trek, where someone says, this doesn't feel like, you know, fill in the blank. Nobody, yeah. I don't really think someone says, this doesn't feel like Batman. Because as I said, that's such, that can mean so many different things, where Star Wars has a very unique flavor, a very unique style. And I don't really know if Zack Snyder's films, I can't really point to one where I'm like, that's the closest that we're getting to, to Star Wars. Like, I don't think I can't imagine one. like, Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine, even if people do love this newest, this the, the newest Justice League, uh, the Snyder Cut, I just... That doesn't feel like Star Wars to me, and there's nothing that he's made that I'm like, oh, man, get this guy to Star Wars. Um, with that being said, though, I am totally down to see him make something original. Uh, yeah, See for sure. him make something that uh, is not, uh, you know, uh, held down, feels like a weird way to say it, but, you know, not held down or hampered by audience expectations of what Star Wars is. 
and he can just go make a thing. And if it's great, awesome. Like I would be totally down to see that. I will say there's probably now with the Snyder cut, there's probably a, a large camp of people that, that would be excited to see whatever Zack Snyder has to offer, which would be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, um, if he wants to make, you know, space wars or whatever, like that's fine. Like you can go, I I'm fine with him making the, the, well, we talked about it last week with JJ Abrams, which we, you know, what his comments we'll get to, but he talked about how, you know, back in the day people would watch a movie and they would say, okay, here's my response to that. Or here's how this movie inspires me. And I, you know, applaud Zack Snyder for essentially taking that mentality and putting it into practice here where he, you know, probably saw Star Wars as a kid, it inspired him as a filmmaker. Zack Snyder is a very visual filmmaker and Star Wars is a very visual, uh, a very visual almost kind of genre now uh, in, in storytelling. And for him to say, this is how that inspired me. Here's going to be my take, not necessarily on Star Wars, but my own version of a space fantasy or a space opera. And I would assume that any diehard Snyder fan is going to want to see him make his own thing and not be uh, brought down by working with Lucasfilm or Disney and kind of just make whatever version that he wants to make. I assume that he probably wants to focus on more violence and things like that, which has also never really appealed to me with Star Wars, like super hyper violence. So whatever he wants to make, man, I'm down for that. Yeah, sure, let's sure. do it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of J.J. Abrams, he uh, was asked whether the Star Wars sequels should have been mapped out. He was celebrating Super 8's, uh, Super 8's 10th anniversary. Love it. Uh, and he was Love asked, uh, I, I would like to rewatch it. I own it. And it's just one of those movies that I've seen one time. I was thinking about it last night. Uh, Shazam's another one of those movies because I saw a commercial uh, for, I think it was like, TNT, they were just showing all the movies that they show, and Shazam was on there, and I oh, was I, like, I thought you were gonna, I, I thought you were gonna mention the uh, the Shazam the two uh, teaser. Yeah, there was that too. Um, I was like, I've watched Shazam one time. I would like to watch it again. Yeah. Uh, but Super Eight is another example of a movie that I have seen one time. I remember liking it, but he was celebrating his tenth anniversary, and uh, he was asked by Collider's Adam Chitwood, uh, and. Uh, he he gave a, a, a lengthy response, but I, I put out a, a clip of what he said here, so I'm just going to read it here. He said, you just never really know, but having a plan I have learned in some cases the hard way is the most critical thing because otherwise you don't really know what you're setting up. You don't know what to emphasize because if you don't know the, inevitable, uh, the inevitability of the story, you're just as good as your last sequence or effect or joke or whatever, but you want to be leading to something inevitable. Uh, sometimes when it's not working out because that's what you have planned and other times it's not working out because you didn't have a plan. So, um, I've talked about, I, like I said uh, last week, done a lengthy video on my thoughts of the rise of Skywalker. Um, I think that this is a, a, a an appropriate time to talk about our feelings. So you want to talk about some of your feelings of the rise of Skywalker and how you feel about these, these quotes here, because this isn't the first time the star Wars fandom has been talking about you guys should have had a plan for the sequel trilogy. So, so what do you think about in regards to being a plan being implemented with regards to the sequel trilogy? Well, I mean, here we're talking about, you know, oh, if there's not a plan, then you need to, you need to emphasize whatever your last, you know, whatever your last thing was, it's just, you know, bouncing right off of the last events. I think that 
The Last Jedi does that really well in a in a very natural way. The storytelling I think is is really peak there. And uh, the one thing, if I if I had to boil it down, I think this is the conclusion that I've come to after now a year and a half. Um, the conclusion that I've come to with Rise of Skywalker is that the my biggest problem with it is that it. A lot of people say, "Oh, it just you know undoes all the you know problems that that people have with the Last Jedi or with the sequel trilogy in in general." I don't think that it. I don't think that that's necessarily true. That it undoes things purposefully, or that it almost you know retcons things, or that it steps back on things that sure. it has said earlier. I think the best way to sum it up is that it um, it it steps in the face of of things that it said before by saying, well, actually, this, 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 right? Well, actually, this. All of the characters are, um, this is a a big one for me, is um, the movie goes through bouts of showing you a character and saying, you thought you knew him, but you don't. (laughs) And and it's for everyone. You thought that you knew Poe. Turns out you didn't know him at all. He was, you know, he was a smuggler. He was a spice runner. He was shady. He was whatever. Yeah. You know, oh, I th- you thought you knew Finn. Turns out you don't. He's maybe force sensitive, and you know that one's not like egregious or anything. I'm not saying I have a problem with that, but you thought you knew Rose. Well, you don't because she's not yeah, in yeah. this one. <laughs> she's gone. You thought you thought Rose existed. She don't. Um, don't look over there. Don't 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 mind her. She's just a, she's she, she's a stand-in. Another That's a one. Grip. An, another big one is Leia. I mean they they changed Leia's character to say, you thought you knew Leia. You don't. She was training with Luke and, and that's Canon now. I mean, that's something that people have talked about for a long time and it, and it's semi Canon that, that she's had training and that she spent time doing that. But now we get it in confirmed with, but it's, but in juxtaposition of the sequel trilogy, it's, it's off putting. So all these characters seem, it seems like they're telling you, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's been established before. Let's, let's show you something else. Let's, uh, let's turn our backs on that. And it's, and it doesn't forget about those things. It just goes in a completely different direction for me. So do you think that that is a result of not having a plan and more of a reaction to the last Jedi? Or do you think that this idea of subverting audiences expectations in regards to, well, you think, you know, this character, because I think that to, to be fair, that could also be thrown at Ryan Johnson in regards to Luke Skywalker, right. which that specific choice is something that a lot of people have issues with uh, in in regards to the way that that movie treats some of these legacy characters. So do you think that his choice to subvert audi- audiences expectations in regards to Leia and Poe and and and, and Ray? Do you think that that is because they didn't have a plan or do you think that that's kind of been the plan all along? I think that it's because they didn't have a plan. And even with even with Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi, um, you have people saying, you know, that's not that's not the Luke that I know. What did you do with what did you do with Luke Skywalker? Basically, who's this? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that it's narrow minded um, just just to be to be blunt about it. I think it's narrow minded to say, well, Luke Skywalker wouldn't be like that. Right. I think that realistically, if if the galaxy is facing the situation that it is, where there's essentially a new Darth Vader, uh, and he's even younger and more brash and more mean, 
and Luke Skywalker blames himself. I think that somebody good way to who describe is, Kylo. He's, yeah. a, he's a rascal. He's a he's a big jerk. He is. He's a toddler at some. He's he's a toddler sometimes. You know. Um, I, I just flash back to the you know when he's when he's totally oh, chopping up the yeah. console. It's amazing. Um, he's a toddler, and and you have someone violent like that that is kind of throwing their rule around the galaxy and Luke blames himself. If you take the hero archetype and you show them their greatest failure and you say, look what you did. It's inevitable. Now it is, uh, you know, this is your fault. And now you can't do anything about it after you've created this. I think that, that the character that we see in the last Jedi, that's what you get. And Mm -hmm. so it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem out of the question at all. It seems like a natural progression of a character and what's frustrating yeah. about all the character changes in The Rise of Skywalker is that we have spent two movies now getting to know these characters. And especially with The Last Jedi, what I love about it is getting to know Finn more uh, and getting mm-hmm. to know Poe more because they they shine in The Last Jedi where they are side characters in, in The Force Awakens. And then the last movie tells you, all right, time to relearn what these characters are like time to reintroduce these characters in a different light. Hope you like them, you know? So here's my thing. And I've talked about it before is I think for myself, the, the choices that are made in the last Jedi in regards to Luke Skywalker, I love, and I think it totally fits in, as you said, to what we see of Luke Skywalker, not only in prior movies, but what we see at the end of the force awakens to me, if he, if he wasn't a recluse on an island being, you know, kind of setting himself apart from the galaxy, that would almost be strange to me because it's like, okay, why else is he out there? Like, you know, I, I don't have, I wouldn't know what's the logical reason for him being out there. However, when you look at something like rise of Skywalker and some of the choices that they make with the characters, um, whether it be relearning, uh, what we think about these characters or not. I think I really like the choices made with Leia. I don't love some of the choices made with Poe. Um, and I don't love some of the choices made with Ray in particular, but my thing is if I did love the choices made with them, no one would care whether they had a plan or not. If they had a plan and it went horribly, then people wouldn't care. If they had a, if they didn't have a plan and it went great, people wouldn't care. It's always going to be about the end product. And then you're going to retroactively look back and say, okay, well, how did we get here? Um, why didn't these, you know, A, B, and C happen? With that being said, I think if I was going to be involved with making a Star Wars film, I would want to have an understanding of the destination. I would want to know A, you know, maybe D, and then G, and then, you know, and then M, and then Z. Like, you don't have to know every single letter in between, but if you want to know kind of a general roadmap of where you're going, that, I think, is going to set you up for the most likely success. That way you give uh, individual filmmakers, in defense of J.J. Abrams, he didn't think he was going to return for The Rise of Skywalker. He kind of made the film that he wanted to make with The Force Awakens. They passed it to Ryan Johnson, fired uh, Colin Trevorrow, and then brought J.J. back. So he kind of has to be like, oh, well, I didn't really think that far through because I wasn't that wasn't my job. So, I mean, 
if you look at like I'm looking at show notes for our podcast right now and I have topics that we're talking about and bullet points and time codes and this is a 90 minute podcast that we're making on the fly if I was going to be tasked with making a trilogy of movies that has billions of dollars on the line maybe it's just me I like to plan stuff <laughs> I would want to kind of have an idea of where it's going um, no you're right you're right yeah and yeah. so what's, what's frustrating to me is even knowing what um because a lot of people have been kind of clamoring for more information about uh Colin Trevorrow's script and you know saying that this would have been a better plan and i think thematically it's it's it fits into the same tone that the force awakens kind of dropped down into the last jedi into and um and it fits the same tone but we've said this before I think this is kind of the conclusion that that you and I came to probably half a year or so after uh, episode mm -hmm. nine is that J.J. Abrams succeeded in making the movie that he set out to make um, and that his his vision for uh, episode nine came to fruition. Um, yeah. And the more that I think about that, the more that I think it's true is that um, he did the best with what he had um and and episode nine is what we got and i and i certainly don't i would say this is that um even though i'm not keen to blame anyone in particular i don't i don't blame jj abrams for for the things that i don't like about episode nine because it's just what they had to do that's right. We blame Chris Terrio. We're coming after you, Chris. It, honestly, <laughs> if, if, if there's one person, it's Chris Terrio. I, but I, I agree. Uh, making a film involved, especially with something that is millions and millions of dollars, and that's just to make the movie, let alone marketing and merchandise and all these things. It's, it's a lot of people have input on the end product there. And so laying it all on the feet of Ryan Johnson or J.J. Abrams or whoever maybe isn't entirely fair. But yeah, I, I hindsight's always going to be 2020. Making something like this, as we talked about last or uh, two weeks ago, a lot of pressure comes with that. A lot of expectations, a lot of really valid feelings and baggage from the fans. Uh, and I, I understand his frustrations here. And I would agree maybe having an idea or a plan of what you want to do in the big picture. I know George Lucas didn't necessarily have every single story beat figured out with, you know, uh, with the original trilogy, but he had more of a plan with the prequel trilogy. So I know I could hear arguments for both sides. I think it's totally valid. And, um, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm fine with moving on. I've, I've come to peace with my feelings of the rise of Skywalker. I'm not angry about that movie. I'm able to watch it and see what I like, see what I don't like, look at it critically as I've looked at all star Wars movies throughout my entire life. Um, and I'm able to move on and I'm at peace with that. So <laughs> with that, uh, we are going to move on to talking about star Wars war of the bounty hunters issue number one in our recurring segment, Garrett read a thing and Noah did not read a thing. Uh, so this is the first episode or the first issue of the long awaited tie in comic. We've got a bunch of different prelude comics leading up to this moment and we finally get uh, the first entry into the series. Now, I asked you earlier, um, I, I was going to read the comic and I didn't want you to spoil anything for me because I heard there was quite a big twist. So have you heard anything nothing. about this comic? I've heard, you heard nothing. nothing. Okay. 
So we're going to get into spoilers here. Uh, so if you don't want to listen to our discussion here, like I said, there's going to be time codes in the description so you can hop forward. So this is your spoiler warning. Get out okay. of here. Get out of get here. Get the heck out of here, you, you your smelly dumb animal. Nice. A SpongeBob reference for you guys. All right. So tell me about this. Tell me about this comic. So as we left off with uh, with with Han Solo and Boba Fett, Boba Fett had Han Solo and Carbonite, um, and he got taken away from him. Uh, he was dealing with uh, a Dexter Jetster looking fellow, maybe a cousin of Dexter Jetster. Dude got bumped off, and someone took Han Solo, a frozen a frozen chili Han Solo away from him. So we see uh, Fett and he's uh, in a bar on Narshada and he's like, dang, I can't believe someone took Han Solo from me. That was a lot of work getting him. I'm really upset right now. People, people um, really need to, need to start questioning Boba Fett's uh, capability with oh, like doing absolutely. his job in general. He's, he's like, oh man, I can't believe it. Well, to be fair, to give him the benefit of the doubt, he was fighting a giant spider lady in a gladiator arena. So he had his hands full. I guess uh, so, but, yeah. So you think he would set like a booby trap or something for Han Solo? I would. I would. I'd have a plan oh, in place for oh, that. <laughs> some kind of plan, some kind of bulleted list. <laughs> uh, but unbeknownst to Boba Fett, uh, someone has put a bounty on uh, his head, on his little dented helmet. Uh, so you got pretty much most of the bounty hunters in the galaxy are after him. Uh, uh, hence war of the bounty hunters. Uh, and then a small duo of those bounty hunters have eventually, they've, they've caught up to him. They know where he's at. They've got his number and, uh, and they, they set up a small charge on his ship on the slave one as he approaches it, knocks him on his tuchus, uh, and he is, uh, he's, he's cornered by none under none other than Zuckus in Forlom, who, uh, I didn't know until reading this comic that Zuckus refers to himself in the third person. Um, didn't know that that was an attribute about him, but I like it. I it gotta actually, say, I like it. Uh, when we were talking about this last time, um, it reminded me of the uh, the full episode of Star Wars Detours that was uh, that was leaked on YouTube, where yeah. uh, leaked one the whole of the thing. Two, I say, put the whole thing out there. I want to see it. Here's the thing. I. I <laughs> I'm just imagining, I don't remember, I think it's Zuckus that's voiced by Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> and, and it's one of the two. It's, I don't remember which one it is. And so I'm just, that's, that's what I'm picturing here. Oh man. Is Weird oh, Al just good. fighting with Boba Fett. That would be the absolute best. I would be so into that. Um, but we might not get more of uh, Zuckus because after this, unfortunately, Boba Fett, um, activates his little wrist gauntlet thing and blows Zuckus up and Forlom up and he kicks Zuckus off this platform. We don't know if he's dead or we don't know if it's, you know, Darth Maul style where he's like, it's kind of ambiguous. We'll see though. I mean, but it was pretty unambiguous with Darth Maul, but too they still brought him die, back anyway. Too, he's just too darn, too darn ticked. He's, yeah. he's too peeved. Um, so Zuckus gets uh, Falcon kicked off this, off this platform and Boba Fett decapitates Forlom, his little droid head, Yikes. and he kind of he plugs it into his little nav computer thing, uh, and he finds out that uh, Jabba has put out a galaxy-wide bounty on Boba Fett's head on his little dented helmet, and Fett is like, "What the heck, man? What's going on? Why?" So he goes all the way to Tatooine, 
Uh, and, and it's a scene that reminds me of that Moon Knight Dracula comic that's like, oh my gosh, that's, that's gone around where he's like, where are you at, Dracula, you big nerd? Where's my goddamn money? Yeah, it's it so funny. Because <laughs> he's like, he's breaking down the door. Uh, he he, he uh, encounters Bib Fortuna. He's got like a bunch of bounty hunters like focused his guns on him. And he's like, I will kill all of you. Do you not understand this? Like, do you know who I am? I'm like, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the lead of this comic book that we're reading right now. I will kill, kill all of you. I'm not supposed to die until the next movie. Right. Uh, so uh, he's talking with Bib Fortuna and Bib, good old Bib. He's like, Hey man, speaking of which Bib Fortuna in last week's oh, yeah. episode of the bad batch. Good to see our friend coming back. Uh, he's made a comeback. He was in the book of Boba Fett. He was in the Bad Batch. He's in this comic. It's this great is stuff. The, this is Bib Fortuna Summer right it's here. It's Bib Hours, <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, put the kids away. It's Bib Hours <laughs> at the pool. <laughs> uh, so he's like, look, man, Jabba's not even here right now. He's in a meeting. But to be fair to Jabba, he, you hadn't returned Han Solo to him like you had asked for. Uh, so we thought you stole him. That's our bad. That's really our bad. Uh, bad judgment call there. So we see this meeting that Job is in. He's pretty much in a Zoom call with all the other huts around the galaxy. And they're like, what's going on with this Han Solo guy? Who's got him? And then one of the huts is like, well, there is this crime syndicate that we haven't heard of for a while. And we starting to hear some things about them being back. Uh, but we're, we, we, we get some uh, uh, alluding to that. Uh, so Boba Fett's now on a mission. He's like, someone wanted to kill me. Someone took my thing that I worked really hard to get. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go find that person and, and kill them. And at this point we hear that the crime syndicate that stole, uh, the one and only Han Solo is none other than Crimson Dawn, oh, that rings uh, a bell. which Darth Maul was once a, the leader of, but at this point in the timeline, that dude's dead. No, he's, he's gone. He's, 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 he's toast. Uh, he's some burnt toast back on, on, on Tatooine. Speaking of which, do you think that, uh, Kenobi buried him? I do think he's got that. A, I would, I would definitely think that that's what took place after that. I mean, I'd, I'd be into that. We got, to, we, if we get to see his grave in Kenobi, that'd be dope. Man, that'd be so sad. I, I'd be into that. Oh. <laughs> or maybe he like props him up in the corner, like, like uh, Norman Bates and Psycho, and just like has, <laughs> he's like, what do you think about this Darth Maul? He's like moving his mouth around. He's just, just like controlling force. his legs with a little remote, like, or the Force, like he's like using him like a marionette. Oh that'd be, no. That'd be real creepy. Uh, so yeah, at this point in the comic, we learned that the person who steals Han Solo, we actually get this really nice splash page of, it's like Han Solo's head in the middle and then like all of these people around him, all the people that want Han Solo. And it's a really nice visual of like, this dude, everybody wants this guy for some reason or another. You got Darth Vader, who's like, I hate this guy. He shot my ship. You've got Luke's, Luke and Han, and or Luke and Leia and Lando, and they're like, this guy's our buddy. We want him back. You got Aphra uh, and, 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 and bounty hunters, and everybody's like trying to get a piece of this guy. Uh, and that picture would not be complete without one Kira from Solo, A Star Wars Story. She is now the leader of Crimson Dawn, and she has taken taken asunder uh the the frozen han solo so it was great to see kira return uh having heard this are you glad that kira's back are you glad yes. that we've get... I mean, me too we are in an era of make solo to happen mm -hmm. um which honestly couldn't have come at a better time that was like two that was like a week or two ago right exactly and, and good timing on the on the behalf of mr charles soul and yeah. the other 
people at Marvel Comics. Now, I'm not going to say that I think that this is this is the needed introduction into Solo 2. I just think that there needs to be more attention spent to the characters of this era. Um, I think that um, Kira is a really great character, one, probably one of the best parts of Solo. Without um, a doubt, yeah. And there's a there's a lot of characters in Solo that that could get more playtime. And we would talk about like Emphis Nest um, is an interesting character that we don't see much else with. And for um, sure. But Kira, especially, there's stuff there. Um, if if there's one thing about Solo that like people took away from it, it's like there's more to this story than than we got right now. But then we never got. It's more almost of like it. they had had a plan a for plan a sequel or something, or something, something like kind that. Of end goal. <laughs> yeah, the movie literally ends on a cliffhanger. So right. Um, yeah, I'm glad to see Kira back. This is great. Uh, this I had was quite a surprise to me. I didn't. I heard like some surprise character was returning, and I was like, "Ooh, I bet it's Cad Bane, and some he's whispers. wanting to get a piece of this or something of that." Um, but it was actually Miss Kira, which I think is a fantastic fit. Um, I think that it actually gives the story some stakes now, and it's less about, "Oh, I want Han Solo because he's worth a lot of money," or uh, yeah. you know, I. I can get a lot of credits for this. It's actually Kira has a stake in this. Uh, and I'm curious to see if she's got some nefarious purposes going on or if she's just in it for the money. I would assume that it's more because she likes Han Solo and she wants to have him back. That's going to be awkward when he wakes up. He's like, actually, I got this other thing with this girl named Leia. I don't know if you've heard about her, but we're kind of a thing right now. So yeah, you know, it's, a bit taken. it's interesting. That's the one thing I was thinking about. And then was, she freezes him again. <laughs> just like she's like, freezing. you know what? He's like, oh. never mind. Bye. <laughs> um, the the one thing that's interesting to me is that we're taking these anthology sections and still trying really hard to um to keep them separate from the main like the main Skywalker saga. Um, where yeah. they are inevitably going to intersect. Um, mm-hmm. So bringing bringing a character like Kira into something that influences the Skywalker saga, where you've got Han Solo frozen in carbonite, and and we know that this is the time that it takes place. It's like okay, keep showing us things that are adjacent to what yeah. we've seen in movies. Well, I think that's also a good choice. And, you know, if you're going to have a story where it's such a small period of time and we eventually know where it ends up, Jabba is going to get Han Solo. He's going to put him on the wall like a fathead. Like, we understand that that's going to lead to some place. And how do you get the audience interested into the journey of that and less of the destination? You introduce some of these characters, some of these unique pieces and unique flavors. Uh, and I'm, 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 think Akira is Akira's an excellent choice for that so I'm really glad uh, that she's back uh, we will we will keep you guys updated on issue two of War of the Bounty Hunters uh, but for now we have got some Bad Batch to discuss we've got Noah. a lot of Bad Batch to discuss so like we talked about last week or uh, at the beginning of this episode we weren't here for last week uh, we didn't talk about uh, last week's episode of the Bad Batch uh, we talked about it a little bit before this episode uh, before we hit record here but if I had to elect an episode so far, uh, not to say anything bad about last week's episode, because I actually quite liked it, uh, but if I had to elect a single episode to maybe it would be okay to go to a Cubs game and not record that day, I think last week would have been an excellent choice. <laughs> kind, of, kind of planned it out perfectly. It just so happened. We, we planned it out perfectly. You hear that, JJ? Oh, we man, planned it, it out perfectly. It just keeps coming back. It sounds like, <laughs> sounds like planning is something that's in a natural process of any creative endeavor. 
we planned this thing that we couldn't possibly have planned for that last <laughs> week's episode would have been a pretty good one to skip out on. But yeah, it's not to say anything bad about it. We won't talk about it too long because I do want to get into this week's episode. But um, I thought last week's was, episode was fun. Yeah. It was surprising. There was a neat twist, some interesting uh, uh, canon tie-ins there. It was cool to see Omega come into her own a little bit. Cool to see the batch still batching. Get her own um, weapon. And Very cool. She's got that sweet bow and arrow. Super I'm like, cool. dang, that is really cool. Fan. I'm a big bow and arrow guy whenever I play like Far Cry or I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima recently. Oh, yeah, yeah. And getting the bow and arrow on that, you can get like explosive tips and stuff like that. I'm a I'm a big bow and arrow guy. Yeah, um, no, it's super cool stuff. It's, it's yeah, nice that, to just be like, okay, she's got her own like, her yeah. own thing is this like it's cool. new it's like weapon. This, energy bow and arrow that's like yeah i'm I'm very i'm very into that you get a bit of like the you know it's it's not terribly like you, you, why wouldn't you just have a blaster it's got that kind of weirdness to it but i'm like you why wouldn't you have a blaster because you can have a bow and arrow uh, mm -hmm. and that's cooler than a blaster <laughs> uh so yeah uh thumbs up on last week's episode i'm I give it a I, quick thumbs i was up. impressed yeah yeah i will uh, say so, the one the one thing yes. that uh that I was thinking about was that it now officially uh, decanonizes the uh, the Rancor origin uh, Star Wars fan short film. I don't know if you've seen that on YouTube. Um, I have not seen that. But there's a there's a short film, a fan made short film on <laughs> on YouTube uh, about the uh, oh I don't remember what his name is, but he's like the Rancor like guardian the handler. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a short film about him in the deserts of Tatooine and he comes across like a rancor egg and he it's Malakili, by the way. Oh, okay. Okay. So Malakili. Yeah. Uh, we are not in the, in the schmodown or we, I do not have to know that information. No, certainly not. <laughs> uh, he like comes across the rancor egg and takes care of the baby as its own, as the he mother likes, has he been like killed. He like sits on it. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps it warm. And, and he, he like, raises this rancor to be his own pet and i oh, was like that's eh, very sweet but Puts now it in the basket of like a little tricycle yeah officially decanon <laughs> you know no well, more i know that there's some information uh in the second aftermath book about that and people have talked about like the name's a bit different and you know this one is apparently uh, a, a girl and the other one's a boy Moochie. so there's like some moochie yeah that's the um, name isn't isn't moochie ice cream isn't that a type of that's ice cream mochi mochi have you ever had mochi i have is it good yeah it's really good i like I the mango try mango mochi there's this uh there's some mochi at my local my local meyer try it out uh and i would like to get some it's a little pricey for ice cream but i think it might be worth it just for the for the experience yeah you know? the frozen stuff isn't bad like the the kind you just grab in a box at meyer or whatever not bad Okay, I'll give it a whirl. I'll give it a whirl. Um, but we're going to give this week's uh, 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 new Bad Batch episode called Decommissioned. We're going to give that a whirl. Um, let's start with some spoiler-free thoughts here. Uh, what did you think about this episode? Well, I know that you know one thing that I'm going to say when we talk about it later. Um, I don't know one thing you're going to say. I Do think I know can, one thing you're going to say? You can probably guess one thing that I'm going to say about how I feel about some parts of this episode. Oh, um, I see what you're saying. All in all, this... Because you're a jerk. Because yes. you don't like fun. Exactly. That's why. <laughs> um, 
this this new episode sorry sorry there's a there's a train horn going by in the distance if that ever comes through the <laughs> podcast uh I, I heard something outside the window and I was like, wait a second. They're like, ha ha time for the bad batch, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that all in all, this episode is a really good, uh, it's a really good showcase of their connective, their ability to like sustain connective threads um, and, and kind of give payoff to, to things that we've seen prior um, a big thing that that's come up in in prior episodes is you know Wrecker uh, having some headaches and things, and those you know have come up more and more, uh, and we finally kind of get some answers about that. Um, mm-hmm. One thing especially that I thought was interesting was starting the episode um, right where we left off in the last one, yeah. um, and like th- just showing these connective threads that are like, yeah, this isn't a, and what are they up to this week? you know, style yeah. thing because it can so easily fall into that being being the kind of show that it is. And we've talked about it so many times. Um, yeah. I'll say that as, as well. Uh, when this episode starts off, like you said, without getting into spoilers, it does pretty much pick up right where we left off last week uh, on, on Narshada. And the, 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 the batch is, is tasked with a mission and there is some more themes about them being mercenaries and that whole kind of discussion, which was addressed last week, too. So at this point, you know, without again, without getting into spoilers, this is where I became a little bit concerned because I was like, oh, is it going to be that kind of show now where we're just seeing, you know, they had flavors of the A-team and Ninja Turtles beforehand where they're each, you know, excuse me, they're each like these specialized uh, soldiers and they each have their own little GI Joe thing, you know, um, right. which I think it, it, it can be part of the allure of the bad batch. But I was concerned that the show with how it starts off this week is just going to be like, okay, and this is the job they're doing this week. And now it's just going to continue to be, you know, what? And on this week of the bad batch, they getting some hijinks. You know, I was concerned right, that right. it was going to be something like that, but I agree. I do think that, Later in the episode, we get some things addressed from last week, some themes that were brought up last week. We get some of that. We get some fun connection to other canon things. Um, and we get some development of mostly uh, 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 thematically where the Bad Batch is at as a group, uh, how Omega fits into the picture. We also get some teases on what we could expect in regards to canon connectivity for next week. Um, and I thought this was a pretty good episode. I wasn't in love with this episode. I thought it was fun. It's suspenseful. I thought yes. that, that was something yeah. that was good as there was a lot of things that were happening. You had a bit of like a ticking time bomb in regards to some characters being uh, in danger. You have some characters who you, you aren't sure what's going to happen with them by the end of the episode. Um, and you have a lot of moving parts happening at the same time, which does increase the suspense of the episode. So I thought... I thought this was a solid episode. Um, I think this week and last week's episode in regards to, you know, how I would rank these episodes so far, not my favorite of that we've seen of the show, um, but good nonetheless. I haven't watched a single episode of the show where I've been like, I did not like that. Right. Um, I agree. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm pretty positive on this, on this episode. Uh, and, uh, other than that, I don't really have much more I can say without getting into spoilers. Do you just want to uh, dive into spoilers? Yeah, we can we can go ahead and do that. I will say the last um, thing. Um, yes. The, uh, there, in terms of like the tension and stuff, um, it has proven at this point now there are some things that happen in this in this episode that have 
proven that I care about these characters in an instinctual way. Um, so we are, it's affirming to be at that point where you're like, you know, really invested to the point of, of, um, you know, being, being a child sitting in front of a TV and being like, Oh no, what's going to happen to this person? I I literally had a, a, a point where like I was, I literally said out loud, I was eating a bowl of cereal um, which yeah, I got some I'm of this picturing, new. I'm picturing. I'm drawing them. I'm trying, uh, uh, like, to give you a little bit more detail. I'm trying to do a little bit less of like the sugary cereal kind of thing. Trying to do a bit of a healthier cereal. So I got okay. some of this like peanut butter cereal. Oh. Uh, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like you know cardboard with some peanut butter on it. But it was actually it was actually not that bad. Uh, so I was having some of that. I had my coffee. I was watching the episode this morning, and you know I had I outwardly said like oh no when like something <laughs> happened, and then like Omega has a cool moment that I was like. Oh yeah. You know, so like it felt yeah. like that that Saturday morning cartoon kind of vibe. I know exactly so, what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh so verdict thumbs up on uh the Bad Batch decommissioned now, for me. I have to give I have to give a thumbs up and behind my back I'm also giving a thumbs down and we're going to talk about it. You're a big old you're a jerk. Uh, I have we're going to I have we're going to talk about how you're a jerk. Uh so uh the episode begins uh going into spoilers here. The episode begins back on Nar Shadda. Uh we got a lot of Nar Shadda play this week. We got the the War of the Bounty Hunters comic. We got we got here uh as well. Um and Omega is practicing with wait, her new I didn't think it was isn't it Ord Mandel? Ord Mandel. I I I apologize. I apologize. Oh man, we got people screaming at their phones right now thank you so much for no, yeah for i was just, i was thinking i was like man all these names there's so i just many. had narshada on the brain you know <laughs> too much narshada um narshada more like narshada uh <laughs> oh get rid of that, that tough. uh sorry I'll, I'll edit that out um so omega is practicing with her little bow i'm gonna look up what this little bow and arrow thing is called but she's practicing with it She's she's trying to hit some targets and she nearly kills a child. Yeah, hilarious. Uh, <laughs> they're like, sorry, that would have been a lot less uh, uh, endearing if she actually like you know got her like right in the forehead or something. Now I, I will say this reminds me of, um, you know, in uh, in Star Wars. Oh my Rebels. god, hold on, I gotta pause. I gotta pause real quick. Okay. So I looked up this little bow and arrow thing. It's called an energy bow. I didn't even notice that it's the same weapon that the night sisters have oh really and, yeah uh, it's a it's a plasma energy bow it's not the exact same one like theirs is a bit different but it's kind of the same technology i was here. gonna say i can i can picture it right now and i can see them being yeah. a tiny bit different because hers is like this golden like power rangers looking thing and oh you can get a shirt with omega wearing one uh, with the bow and arrow it's like a full contraption Dang, you can go to Hot Topic right now and get a, a an Omega wielding the sick bow. I'm That's gonna, okay. I might, I might, oh, <laughs> I, might, I might get that. I can oh, buy but, it on Amazon. I just mean about going into Hot Topic. That's okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. I was like, oh man, this is a cool shirt. I kind of want one. Anyway, uh, what were you gonna say? Um, I was gonna say it, re- it reminds me a little bit of uh, in Star Wars Rebels when Ezra first builds his when he builds his first lightsaber and kind of combines it with his uh, yeah. his stun blaster. Yeah. Um, it's funny that they're like, all right, now we're going to teach you how to use this bow. And she like accidentally kills a patron of this bar. <laughs> and it's like, it's just funny that the bow is not like set to stun or anything because she's a kid. She's still a kid. Yeah. But it's like, Hey, this is a weapon weapon. 
for sure. I wonder if there is like a stun version of that because we get on later in the episode. Uh, she's, you know, she's on lookout for the mission and she's seeing the bad batch doing their thing. And, but they like are stunning, uh, like workers there. They're not like just killing these people. Right. Cause they're, right. Ju- they're just at a foundry. This isn't like, I assume it's not like the, like an Imperial situation. These people, you know, work on Corellia, which we'll, we'll get to. They don't seem like Imperial, you know, foundry workers. They just seem like I live on Corellia. And if I don't do this, I'm probably going to get killed. Yeah. No, uh, it's so, like the, uh, yeah. it's like the people in, in fallen order and Jedi fallen order at the beginning yeah. when they're just kind of, they're just kind of on commission. They're deconstructing things. And sure. You know, yeah, and then people. these people coming in, yeah, uh, people coming in, start shooting everything. They're like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna have to fill out like an incident report." There's Ugh, so many gonna forms. Be such a thing. Oh no! <laughs> uh, but like to your point, yeah, I'm glad that we see Omega at that moment. We see her. The we see her see the bad batch stun people, not kill people. So I'm curious to see if this little this little bow and arrow has a stun feature on it because that would be nifty to know. Yeah. Um. So she doesn't accidentally kill a child. Um, but, uh, we see her practicing with this, uh, Omega's arms seem to be too weak for this little, uh, energy bow that she has, that, uh, that's called out to her. Uh, maybe she needs to do some gonk presses. We've all, we've um, all been there, right? <laughs> just two, these little, does she call them like spaghetti or noodle arms? Noodle or something arms. Like that? Yeah. Noodle arms. I was like, oh man, you got to embarrass her in front of the Rude. bad batch. <laughs> Rude. Uh, but uh, Echo, on the other hand, is like, well, no, it's about focus. You need to stay focused and instead of, you know, paying attention to everything around you, which I do think is paid off later that she's able to focus in on the battle and and, and get better uh, with, the, with the energy bow. Uh, but after this moment, we see uh, 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 this. Oh, who's the, what's the person's name? The uh, little Sid. Sid with the, the Trandoshan. Yeah. Yes. The Trandoshan Sid, the the bar owner of Sid, um, is like, I got a new job for you. And like I talked about with the spoiler free, this is kind of where I was like, mm, are we doing this again? Um, I do think it, it it's it, my, my fears were, 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 were tamed a bit here, but I was like, uh, are we doing another little fetch quest kind of mission thing? Like, I okay, I guess we're doing that. Did you have that it's, concern, or am I alone here? Am I alone no, on my little, a little my bit? Little and it's funny raft? because it's funny because that like, um, she she like Sid gives them the, the the description of whatever they're about to do, and and uh, Echo is like, I think it's Echo who's like, we well, we haven't decided whether or not we're gonna keep working with oh, you, and yeah. she's like, yeah, yeah, you did, you're doing it, <laughs> and so I was like, I think. <laughs> If if you're if you're scared about that to be like, is this gonna be this? You know, the show is kind of like, just shut up, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, they're they're as hesitant as I am about joining this kind of essentially bounty hunter kind of mercenary kind of thing. Well, maybe and that's I don't a think good the, thing that yeah. it's that it's more of a it, it's a conscious like, hey, this isn't what we do, you know? Yeah. Sure. Um, I just I, maybe it's there. just because I want to see the bad batch just settle down. You know, like like Cut did. Oh man! Want to see them have a farm? I want to join more Wrecker in a poncho. Give me that. Yeah, I want. Yeah, I want to see them enjoy some Jawa juice. Just a nice cup of Joe, nice cup of Jawa in the morning. I don't want to see them doing this stuff forever. I want to see them relax a little bit. But it's not um, time for that. Not time for that. It's time for uh, them going to Corellia to 
to get a tactical droid, at least the head of a tactical droid, uh, so that can help them in the battle against the Empire or help someone else who 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 wants to who wants to pay for this. Uh, and uh, there's a funny tech moment where uh, Sid is like, do you guys know what a tactical droid is? And tech like shoves everybody <laughs> out of the way. And he's like, I know exactly what a tactical droid is. Uh, I thought that that was, was, was very funny. Very uh, on, on, uh, on, 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 uh, on par with what we could expect from tech at this yeah, point. Very absolutely. on brand such for a him. nerd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, uh, Omega uh, is like, you know, in this episode, I thought it was nice to see her come along with the mission She's like, actually, they're not like, wait in the car, you know, like she actually comes along and, and is, is, is a part of the mission. Maybe it's because they're on Corellia, which is kind of like a dangerous, a dangerous area. And last week her staying in the car didn't work out so well. So maybe they're like, well, it's, you know, you have a gun now, so it's better for you to come along and actually be a part of this. So yeah, she has a role to play, which is nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. She's on lookout, which is, you know like on the totem po- pole of coolness. It's definitely the lowest, but she's on the totem pole, which is great. Well, and Wrecker makes mention of that too, is they, you know, they have Wrecker be kind of the, uh, I forget exactly what it is they say, um, but he was like, oh, but, you know, being on that post is is uh, Crosshair's yeah. job. And yeah, well, they're like, well, he's not here right now, okay? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> we're, all, we're all trying our part, okay? We're going to have to all, all band together. Um so it was cool to be back on Corellia. That was nice. Uh, yeah, it was, super interesting. I mean, we don't see a ton uh, of it, but, you know. No. We see kind of what we saw a little bit in Solo Star Wars Story. It's a very industrialized, uh, very, uh, it's like a big factory planet. Um, I will say so it's, nice, was, it's nice to get a break from them just introducing another planet that someone has, another some planet poor that soul I, has to go into the yeah. Star Wars wiki and be like, oh, God, another one. Here we go. This or another planet, planet is that, seen in the back. <laughs> or another planet that I will not remember the name of because there's, there's getting to be way too many. Um, and I'm, I'm forgetting all of them. Uh, but uh, on this episode, uh, it's, it's like I said, it's a foundry, uh, which is... Uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago with uh, in regards to sound effects. Uh, we got chock full of Attack of the Clones sound effects in this one. I knew, that just, I knew you were going to say that too. They, it literally they jump just, in. yeah, it just tickles my brain. Like yeah, I hear yeah. that's a little like, like that's either, thing. <laughs> that's either something that I can pull directly from watching Attack of the Clones, or uh, or from Lego Star Wars, and I just know exactly where <laughs> I am. I know that I'm sitting down in front of the TV with my PlayStation Two, just burning grooves into the disc of Lego Star Wars One. Just yeah. absolutely like tearing up the Geonosis level. Uh, we, uh, I had friend of the podcast Bailey Hunt over um, uh, the other day, and we were playing Lego Star Wars, and we were playing the first one, like the because uh, you can't get the the complete saga, or the you know the complete trilogy or whatever it's called, the original yeah. one, not the yeah. new one coming out, the original complete saga, whatever it's called, you can't get that on GameCube. It's only available for like Xbox 360 or whatever, which I have, but kind of tucked away whatever i meant for gamecube i was playing just lego star wars and it's the prequel one and the first episode of attack of the clones is obi-wan going to kamino that's the first episode and that's i was so like so weird i was like guys you missed like 40 minutes of the movie you don't even get to see dexter jetster who is like the 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 hub of the game well, you know what i'm talking about is like all of the stuff that happens before that is kind of like eh you get it well, 
No, dude, I want to be flying around in that speeder. I want to be chasing after Zam Wessel. Do you, I want to be doing really all that think stuff. That, do you think that LucasArts could could actually do that? You well, they, they do it later do in the com- they do it later in the complete saga. So maybe it was like a technological kind of could have been. You know, wasn't quite there yet. Uh, but I digress. Um, so we 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 were at the foundry. They're they're trying to get this 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 tactical droid, and they come across none other than Rafa and Trace, who make their their grand return from uh, season seven of the Clone Wars. And I know your feelings about Rafa and Trace, but this won't stand on this podcast. We are a pro Rafa and Trace here on this podcast, and I will fight you tooth and nail. <laughs> to, Can you give me to one defend reason? Their honor. Can you give me one reason not to hate them? I think that, here's the thing. So I understand the 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 hesitation in 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 loving these characters simply because season seven of the Clone Wars, you're wanting to get to the Siege of Mandalore. You're wanting to get to all the stuff, and you're like, oh, we got this thing with these, we, the, you know, like it doesn't really like nothing really progresses for Ahsoka other than like some emotional stuff for her. Like of seeing, you know, other corners of the galaxy and things like that. But that's my I like Rafa and Trace because we get to see how the Republic impacts people on the ground level. Uh, we get to see some smaller voices in the, in the universe of Star Wars. We also get to see two women of color, which are a rarity or a, a, a rarity. That's a word. A rarity yes. in Star Wars. That's we get to see true. their perspective. Yes. Uh, and I'm glad to see that they're back and they're apparently maybe fighting for the rebellion which is great that's interesting i will not allow you to be a stick in the mud now please your case for why you don't like him you big jerk here's my (laughs) sticks okay i've got i've got there's some mud right in front of me here's the band sticks (laughs) and i've I've got there's they're muddy too the sticks are muddy here's the thing is that i i especially don't like them in this episode what and because they they jump in there and they're kind of like treating the bad batch like like they are out of line and that that the two of them have like sole proprietary uh right to this like to this mission that they're doing and there's like a few times where you know now they're getting chased down by these police droids um after they uh, after their cover's blown uh, and all of them are fighting all these police droids and it's a very suspenseful action piece. And um, I'm going to say this right now. I cannot remember which one is which, but the older oh. one who is more annoying to me, who I believe <laughs> is Rafa uh, is like talking to, uh, talking to Hunter. And she's like, basically she's like, who do you think you are? You don't know anything about this. And I bet you couldn't even shoot. I bet you couldn't even shoot a womp rat from five feet away. And like <laughs> questioning his ability to do this mission that they are both clearly doing. And there's there's like the one moment where um, where all the police droids are coming after the two of them, and he pulls down the support beam to like crush a bunch of them. After he's like, "Hey, you might want to get out of the way. I'm about to do something super cool." And he does this super cool thing, and she's like, "Are, are you stupid? What do you, you could have killed me? What's wrong with you?" And it's like you have it. It's so, it's so disrespectful that like these guys. <laughs> I, I I want these guys to be like, like, don't you know who this is? Well. 
this is the this is the protagonist of the Disney Plus original, The Bad Batch. Yeah, and it's like, hey, watch yourself around them, okay? Because watch, they're doing their you best. You better watch yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah, exactly. And and like they're jumping. I'm in not there. agreeing with you, by the way. I'm 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 here for the jokes. I'm I here know, for the, of course. <laughs> I know. I'm the comedic relief of this podcast. I apparently. know that I am. I'm probably I'm probably pretty lonely out here in this out in this mud with all my sticks in there. I will say you might not be as long as you think, but I think the people, the other sticks that are out there, I'd be careful because those are some prickly, prickly sticks. That's true. Uh, here's what a bunch here's, of people out there who are like, Ugh, women, bleh, no, thank you. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to get into that territory. I think my only, like my only issue with these characters, well, actually, no, there's, I have two it's issues. because they're women. Is that it, Noah? That's, Admit that's it on the it. podcast. You got me. You got me red handed. <laughs> Scum and villainy, Ben canceled. Omega two, throw her in the bin too. <laughs> I my my issues with these characters is that they, <laughs> it's not that they seem out of place. It's very clear that there's something important going on, which we will get to, and I like it. Yes, I think that knowing their knowing their history in different portions of these stories is frustrating to me because they consistently get in the way of these characters that I really want to succeed. The things with, that happen with Ahsoka are very frustrating to me because they are characters that are selfish and they they have their own agenda, which you run into all the time in Star Wars. And I think that it's fair to say like, well, this is really frustrating to me because I'm trying to see what happens with this character and these other people are now kind of ruining things and making it more difficult and... So it, it's it's leaning into that territory here. Okay, maybe I can provide some like a balm for you. Here's, okay. here's my here's my, my, my here's my prescription for a okay. balm. So if if we can address other things, but that specific thing of they are providing a, a counter to the goals of the Bad Batch. Let me tell you this: Do you really want the Bad Batch to become these mercenaries? And to become these people that like Hunter says, he's like, we don't really question the orders. We just, we just kind of do it, which suspiciously sounds a lot like a droid for one. And you two, mean exactly sound- what that droid says when they all get rebooted. Exactly. Exactly. We, uh, suspiciously sounds like a droid and two sounds like some of the other clones that Hunter so adamantly says, like we're different from, do you really want them to be those types of people or would you rather them follow the path of the rebellion? Maybe. We don't really know who Rafa and Trace are talking to at the end of this uh, to you know, jump towards the end of the episode where they're talking to somebody. Uh, we can get to theories later on. Yeah, but yeah. we at least know that per Rafa and Trace, who are you know seen as good people, they are fighting for good. They're fighting for the, the fight against the Empire. Right. So I would rather see... Uh, Rafa and Trace lead the Bad Batch into that direction, and I would so I would definitely maybe agree with that you there. is that is that better for you that they're, they're not getting in the way. In fact, by countering them, they are steering them towards the direction of what they should actually be fighting for. I think what's the only thing holding me back from that because that's a that's a great point, and it's very clear that that's something that is maybe going to come to fruition. Um, mm-hmm. What is still like a little bit just a little bit uncomfortable for me is that they are still so headstrong and stubborn (laughs) and they're still women (laughs) just get over it already 
they're they're still very stubborn and headstrong and individual people that that like oh because we've never seen that in Star no, 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 Wars no, no, no. before not, <laughs> not not about that I'm saying about like this this idea of them saying like hey do you even know who you're who you're serving right now we're actually sure. trying to help they they get they they make that point right but it's made in such a backhanded like um kind of not i mean not disrespectful to say that like a oh, hunter deserves more respect because he's a man no of course not like no i'm just teasing you about that but right. i do think it is kind of funny that you're like come on don't you know who this you're talking to i think that that's very in line with star wars particularly with someone like rafa and 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 trace like i can see you i can see that i think that like the the way that they they handle like this mission and stuff is still very like I would say this trace and Rafa are very like neglectful of the fact that Omega is there with them uh, at first. And even at, at the suspenseful part where like Omega is, you know, about to get incinerated is when trace is like, ah, shoot, I better go back. And so it's, you're watching kind of this, like this actual struggle between, who we see as the protagonist and these people that are kind of invading. And at the same time, they're like, you don't even know what you're doing. Who do you, you don't even know who you're serving. So that point is made, but it's still like, they're, they're almost still op- opposing forces and it, and it's confusing to be like, well, yeah, but the, like Trace and Rafa are, are, they're good people. I get it. Like I see that they're good people, but they're also like making things harder for our protagonists. So it's a little bit confusing and I understand that, like, all in all, they're like, hey, we're kind of on the same side here. We should we shouldn't. Yeah, we're we're not fighting each other, you know. Sure. Uh, we will we'll, we'll be able to move on from Rafa and Trace. Uh, but I, I will say Never. this thing. I, uh, <laughs> I uh, I'm glad to see them in the episode. I think that they provide a nice foil for for the Bad Batch. And I hope they can steer them to the direction of the empire or, or, or against the empire, against the fight of the empire and mm-hmm. focusing their efforts onto more than just credits. And we have to survive. I, they can actually have some agency and make a choice. So I'm glad that they're in this episode. I think that was a fun choice. Uh, I thought it was a less obvious choice than some of the other people that we could have seen up to this point. Uh, so I am glad to see them back. I have, I have one one more thing to say. No, we are, what? I I have to say it. I have to say it. (laughs) I have to. This is the only other issue I have with Rafa and Trace, and it's not a character thing. I think that they're written really poorly. Oh, my goodness. I, they, they make that joke about, um, one of them's like, we need a diversion. And then the other one is like, we need a okay. diversion. I will agree with that. I will agree with that. I didn't like that joke. And then he's like, is I, there an echo in here? And Echo's like, that, I'm right here. Oh my God. Okay, that's, that's so a funny stupid. joke though. That was a good joke. That was a good, I, I, I hate the, the you know, someone says, makes a suggestion and someone repeats a suggestion and I, I hate that trope in anything. That was yes. just like, that was kind of kind of cliche writing for me. For me though, the Echo joke was funnier though. That I was like, like actually I actually funny, do like that. I, I that like that because funny, I like Echo and it's like, yeah. hey, that's a funny play on words or whatever. I just, so like, I, I, yeah, I, I was like minus one point and then the, uh, the Echo joke, I was like, okay, plus one point. So nothing, yeah. okay. <laughs> nothing lost It cancels there. out. We're done. <laughs> I just, I, I, I struggle, but I think I'll be okay. Okay, well, uh, on the the flip side of jokes, we got some serious, some serious, uh, some serious be- uh, dealings in this episode. Some serious uh, business. 
Wrecker uh, throughout this episode. We've seen it alluded to in past episodes. We knew it was coming uh, with the, with those headaches, and he keeps bumping his big old noggin. Uh, but Wrecker bumps it again, uh, probably concussed to some degree, uh, some degree, and uh, he is out of sorts in this episode. And right when he says "good soldiers," and he kind of is like mumbling his way through the good soldiers follow orders i was like oh no yeah, I, was, I, you know, I was mouthful of cereal i was like oh no there's <laughs> peanut butter cereal just dropping everywhere just milk <laughs> no just, yeah phew. i was yeah we knew it was coming but it's it's you know sad to see nonetheless that this is where it is heading if there was any doubt before it was pretty unambiguous before but this does seem to be you know where it's headed is that uh, eventually Wrecker is going to turn on his brothers in some capacity. Um, hopefully we can uh, encounter Rex or something. They can flip the script for him uh, and, and, and get him feeling, feeling better. Give him some ibuprofen. Uh, but yeah. Uh, are, were you, did you share my concern for Wrecker in this oh, episode? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I knew, especially uh, in episode four, I was like, this is, this is not going to go well. Yeah. And having it happen just right away, next episode, I was, I was very concerned. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's really, uh, I would say it's really uplifting to see that he just kind of, he fights through it hearing yeah. Omega's voice is like, mm, he hears I her agree. voice in the comms and is like, you know, kind of just shakes it off. And yeah. I just, I just shake it off a little bit longer, maybe tell your buddies about it and be like, Hey guys, you know, because at, at, up to this point, he's like, no, it's I'm like this fine. This weird thing happened to me when I was, <laughs> when I was on the catwalk, like, yeah. Yeah. And it, so he, he like, he has that moment of, of clarity after struggling with it. And so I'm wondering if we'll kind of see either him fighting back against it, sort of the same way that Rex does, yeah. um, fighting back against it because, and I, and I would say this is that it's very clear Rex is able to fight back because, because of Ahsoka and yeah. Well, she, I mean, she like knocks him out and you know, well that too, yes. but he's able to, he's able to resist for just a little that, bit. That more is that it's like, but it's, it's, I, I do agree with your point about Omega though, because him in Ahsoka, that's the reason that he is so, you know, he's able to fight it so, uh, so heavily. And I think that there is something to be said for, you know, Wrecker and Omega is what gets him out of this, this state. Yeah. Um, not to say that the other clones, you know, maybe their Jedi wasn't as nice to them and they weren't, didn't have the closest relationship, but you know, for Jedi and them saying that attachment and all that kind of stuff, some of the Jedi that make it out of this, some, you know, some of the reason might be because of attachment and, uh, Ahsoka's relationship with Rex is kind of what made him not kill her immediately. Uh, so yeah, I totally agree. That it was great to see Omega kind of on the calm. There's a bit where she says like, she's on the, on the, on the calm and she's like, uh, Hunter, is anyone there? Like I need help. And it sounds very pitiful and quite sad. Uh, and I was like, Oh no, somebody, somebody go get her. This that was, that was has... exactly what I was talking about. It's like, yeah, please please someone do something and and it's, it's got big does. uh toy story three vibes big oh, toy I gonna, story I, three I vibes. i thought exactly that the yeah the music too is kind of like the dun dun <laughs> yeah uh and that's what i was talking about earlier there's a lot of suspense in this episode because you've got omega doing her thing and then you've got the police droids attacking hunter and rafa and trace and then you've got wrecker and he's dealing with his own thing so there was like 
<coughs> excuse me, there was a lot of a lot of moving parts happening at once. So it was cool to see see all of those working to stress me out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, you're right. Equally stress me out. Um, so after this, uh, uh, tech they 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 get the uh, tactical droid and they reprogram it to reanimate all of the battle droids that were being incinerated to create these like Night of the Living Dead battle droids. It was kind of cool to see. Like it so reminded funny. me of. Um, in the aftermath book, uh, uh, a, a droid is reprogrammed uh, by Snap Wexley, uh, and Interesting. he it, it's called Mister Bones, and it's like this killer battle droid that he reprograms to just like just protect him. It's actually really cool, but it reminded you, me a bit of that. Didn't you meet Snap Wexley? I did, Mister Greg Grunberg. I le I met him at Star Wars Celebration, and I was like. Hey man, can I get a picture with you? And he's like, yeah, sure. I grabbed a picture. And I was like, cool. good to meet you. And that was it. He was a nice guy for that four seconds that I met him. But <laughs> very cool. Um, um, no, that, that also like I, I, having Matthew Wood return to to get yes, a couple I wrote that down too. lines. Yeah. yeah, so great. Really, also gold lines too. Where yeah, <laughs> one is like, did we win? Hilarious <laughs> line. <laughs> yeah, we got that one, and the one droid is like, well, orders are orders, and kind of just like. He just, just starts the... blasting. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the uh, Danny DeVito meme where he just pulls out the guns. And I so started then I started blasting. blasting. <laughs> um, another thing that I thought was was interesting about this, it, again, like Dave Filoni knows what he's doing, and I know Dave Filoni very well. Uh, this As reminds me of one of my favorite yeah. episodes of Rebels where they kind of team up with, yeah, 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 with yeah. the tactical droid. Um, yeah. Very it's cool, cool to stuff. see like the, the, you know, the enemy of my enemy kind of idea you know like these these droids not being honestly that different from what we see with the clone troopers in regards to they're both you know pre-programmed things yeah. that you know one is organic and one is mechanical but you have these pre-programmed things who are pointed in a direction and be like okay this is your duty that's what you're supposed to do go fight you're semi-expendable you know, and droids also seem to have a sense of autonomy there where they, yeah. you know, feel fear. They like and return uh, revenge of the Sith when Anakin is like fighting them, they're like screaming and running away. So they have a definitely like some sense of emotion there. So yeah, it's I, cool to I see them like, team up together. I think and they, even, maybe they even acknowledge that too. Maybe it's unintentional that George Lucas is kind of a genius that way, but like, that's what we've, that's what we've come to learn about you know, the, the droids and the clones is that theme of, yeah. you know, maybe not being so different after all and who's really fighting who and yeah. is there really mostly a, like, puppets for the powers that be. Kind exactly. Of thing. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I would argue that maybe there's a slight chance that George Lucas did that unintentionally, <laughs> but I don't know. I would have to ask him myself. I'm going to give him, I'll, I'll give him credit for it. Sure. Well, let's I, do I, it. I, yeah. I, I got you, George. Don't worry. You've I got, got you the, back. You've got the scum and villainy stamp. Of approval there. <laughs> we approve George Lucas. <laughs> Stop the presses. The Star Wars podcast likes the creator of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, so in this episode, we also see Omega start to get a little bit better with her bow, which is cool. Um, and I think that she listens to uh, uh, Echo in this moment and more focuses in the moment as opposed to, oh, I need to get stronger with my arms. It's also kind of that Yoda, you know, 
luminous beans or we not the screwed matter kind of thing to where it's not about your strength with your arms it's about your strength with your mind yeah uh, so that was cool to see her be a bit of an ace with this moment that was the moment i was talking about earlier where i was like hell yeah like she really like nails that those droids with the bone arrow so that was cool to see mm -hmm. uh and then we see the 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 head of this technical droid is is uh, it's now in the possession of rafa and trace and they are going to give it to somebody um at the end of this episode we see them talking with with someone uh and we don't really know who it's going to be we we know that it's someone on the good side uh i believe rafa says uh to hunter she says in the end we all choose sides which is seemingly like one of those put it on a t-shirt star wars quotes like that's oh, yeah. a very that's kind of a big theme of star wars you got to choose very, a side uh... It's very Luke Skywalker and Del Mico. We've talked about yeah. that before here. Yep. Yep. The ability to to choose to be better. Uh, and we see R7 is with them, who gives us a bit of a uh, an idea of who it might be, maybe. Because um, R7 is a droid that is uh, with Ahsoka on the Siege of Mandalore. It's like one of the mini droids that helps Ahsoka and Rex like get off the Republic cruiser. Um, so... Time to theorize. Put on the tinfoil caps. Mm -hmm. Make sure it's nice and tight and secure. Um, who are uh, who 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 is Rafa and Trace talking to? I've got some theories. I'm curious to hear yours. I think um, I I immediately was like thinking who I would want to see rather than who it is probably most likely that it would be. Mm -hmm. um, and what we, what we do see is kind of like we kind of see robes. Um, yeah. or at least some kind of robed figure turning around. Um, but it's very hard to make out what else is part of that. And, you know, where the, uh, where you would see, I guess that like outfit, um, yeah. I think most likely it would, it would probably be Ahsoka or Rex, um, someone that is at least close to that, um, or closer to that family, but not in exile, I would say my, my first thought was I wanted it to maybe be Obi-Wan because I saw those mm -hmm. robes and I was like, that'd be so sick, right? Yeah. That Obi-Wan is kind of helping from a distance. Um, I think that that's less likely. Um, yeah. And you get people like Ahsoka and Rex that are more in the family of, you know, not being in exile, but having to do something in terms of the rebellion um, yeah. on the ground where all the action is, yeah. um, but still somebody that's in hiding. Um, I think that Ahsoka is probably the most likely candidate, but there's not, I, I'm not thinking of much else outside of that. Yeah. Uh, sorry to rain on your parade. I don't think it's Ahsoka. Uh, the, the EK Johnson novel is, takes place pretty much at this time. She's preoccupied. Oh, that's right. Uh, she's right. got stuff going on right now. I don't think she's too concerned with Rafa and Trace, which would be, you know, obviously makes sense. They're, right. you know, connected that's, there. That's another part that I was thinking was who else did they know? Where else sure. did they get their connections? Obviously. Yeah. So it's a good idea. I think it's more like, I like, I think Rex is likely. It could be mm -hmm. Rex. I was also thinking maybe Bail Organa. That would be could interesting. Be, could be Bail Organa. He's got ties to the Rebellion, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be Obi-Wan because we see in Rogue One, Obi-Wan's kind of been off doing his own thing for a little bit. Of course. And Bail Organa's like, hey, maybe we could talk to that guy on Tatooine. It, you know, I don't think that he's been too plugged into what's going on. I think he's a bit busy there. Um, but it could be Saw Gerrera. I think my likely three candidates uh, in order of likelihood would be Bail Organa, uh, 
Rex and then probably Saw Gerrera. We've already seen Saw Gerrera, so that would be weird that they would like tease really that out. They're mysterious, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Saw Gerrera or, Lex, uh, or Rex is is likely, um, but my money, or uh, Bail Organa and Rex is likely, but my money is on Bail Organa. Uh, particularly, you talked about some of the robes. He's a robe guy. He's always wearing robes. He is you know. always wearing you know robes. They're more, like, they're more like half capes, you know? Yeah. But they're very like cool. The, yeah, I like a, I, I would be a big cape guy if I was like in the world of Star Wars. I'd be a big cape guy for sure. Me too. Um, so yeah, we will see next week, hopefully, maybe. I would like to also see the return of Crosshair eventually. Yeah, um, please. That, that's always been a big uh, thing with uh, something that I've liked about this series is how the dynamic between Crosshair and the Bad Batch has been. So hopefully we can get the return of Crosshair. Uh, but any final thoughts on uh, the Bad Batch decommissioned? I will say I don't fully know where. I mean, we know where the story is going to go a little bit with with Rafa and Trace now being mm-hmm. in the mix with some important information that we need to now learn. Um, sure. But I I don't know exactly where the Bad Batch is going to be after this and what they're going to be doing. Um, it could be that uh, this Sid Trandoshan lady is like, well, you didn't really complete the job that I wanted. Um, yeah. Now go do another job because you mm-hmm. owe me. Yeah, We could maybe go there. It's it's unclear. I don't think there's many hints to where we might go after this. So I don't know. We'll see. I think in in other episodes, we've had kind of a better idea of like, well, now what do they need to do? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I I agree. I like episodes that end with a bit of a cliffhanger. I want to know what's going to happen next. And we will be sure to uh, return next Friday to talk about the newest episode of The Bad Batch. I am excited to uh, to see where the batch is up to, where the where the Brady batch is up to. The Brady uh, batch. But other than that, I think that is the episode. So do you want to take us home? Let's do it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. We hope you learned something today. If there's any topics or bits of news you think we should cover, you can head over to our Twitter and shoot us a message. Uh, But for now, this has been Scum and Villainy with Noah DeGeorge. And Garrett McDowell. And may the force be with you. We'll see you next time. See you guys.